Hey, folks, we're back. I grabbed um, Mr. Greg Bell. <laughs> so I've been uh, I've been shooting him and, and mainly spotting for this gentleman for, for a few years now, and he's, he's great people. And what we're here to talk about today is the IPRF in the U.S. Precision Rifle Association and um, Worlds. So everybody went to France last year in 2022 and now worlds have been moved and i couldn't think of a better time than right now before dinner gets served to grab him and kind of talk about it and kind of talk about the process and what's going on that way the information is out there because i mean we have the websites and we have the facebook pages and everything like that but if we can get the information and and get it out there that's that's what we want to do so Garrett, go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about how the U.S. Uh, PRA got started, mm-hmm. and then the skull dragging that happened in France. <laughs> well, so as guys already mentioned, my name is Greg Bell. I'm the president of the United States Precision Rifle Association. Um, I guess going back a little bit, you know, I started shooting matches in 2016. Actually, the first AI match at Core, okay. uh, the artist formerly known as Core, um, <laughs> was my first two-day. And I shot the AI match in 16 and then 17 and then 18 and then really took off from there, you know, competing a lot and everything. Um, that's a little bit of my shooting background. And then as far as the USPRA, um, you know, so I don't know the complete history of it. I know Scott Satterley um, of the U.S. was a had a huge involvement in getting the IPRF started and off the ground and everything. And so <clears throat> I have not – so Eric Lundberg uh, was the first president of the USPRA. Did a phenomenal job, and also a good buddy of mine. Yep. Also, just a guy's given a lot to the sport in ROing and everything. Oh else. yeah. Um, guys, guys, seen more bullets go down range yeah. than I think anybody else. Lundberg is a good buddy, man, and he's been a good friend to me. And um, anyway, whenever we found out about you know World Championships, whenever I first saw it announced. Um, man, I just and I saw that Lundberg was the contact. I was like, dude, whatever it takes, I, I want to go. If I can just be the water boy, I don't care. I want to go. I want to go. Like, please tell me as soon as possible what it takes. Um, so originally the, the worlds in 22 were meant to be in Hungary. Well, with the Russians um, firing off uh, problems in Europe, the worlds got moved from Hungary. And, and originally, to be honest with you, they just thought they were going to have to cancel it. Uh, France did a great job of stepping up big time um, because really in about five months, France went from, hey, we can do it, to putting on what I think was a – they did a great job, a great match, um, great logistics, food. I mean, really, if you think about everything they did in five months, it was pretty amazing. Okay. Um, And so – Because there was a – there was a – it wasn't just like – Oh, we got a few people showing up yeah, no, for, we, for Worlds. You had a lot of people. There I was think, a lot of competitors, I think there right? was 20. I think there was 21 countries represented and 249 shooters. Um, so, And especially the first time it's ever been done, right? there's no template for that. Exactly. France did a great job, man. Um, all things considered, I think they knocked it out of the park. Um, so once the team got back, um, you know, of course, all of us, we were just – I was very fortunate to be able to go. I, I'm, I don't think I'm a bad shooter, but I don't know that I'm a top six shooter in the U.S. Right. Um, but I got a chance to compete on the open team, and, and we did do well. And, man, a lot of us – Do well. I mean, 
do well is kind of an understatement. Well, I want to be careful. You know, we've got <laughs> we've got more matches, more competition, more freedom here, Absolutely. more available resources. So in all reality, we should shoot good uh, in yeah. those competitions, uh, and and we did. Um, but once we got back, man, it, at least for me, there was a pretty big passion because I met a lot of great people. It was really cool to see how the culture here in the U.S., like the shooting culture that we're here at this match, it is almost identical when we went to France. You know, people, really? you know, talking to each other, helping each other out, patting each other on the back, you know, just glad-handing. And just it was, it, was, it was very interesting to me that the culture translated across oceans, um, that you just get a very – similar type of people you know right. even with language barriers so like that's one thing that everybody talks about that that they love this sport is they love this sport because of the camaraderie and the people and like everybody's like on the same page and it's super cool to hear that it's this similar when you cross when it, you cross a, a it, giant body of water <laughs> it, it really is you know we could all say that man maybe we've met a few guys in this sport that maybe they were Maybe they were abrasive or whatever else you want right. to call it. And, and don't get me wrong, there's there's those guys in the yep. rest of the world. But as far as percentage of great people that you meet at these matches and percentage of great people that we met in France, it was identical. Nice. Um, so that was pretty interesting to me. But for me, it really developed a passion that, number one, I felt very lucky as a dirt farmer from Arkansas to be able to go to France and carry a rifle and compete for my country. Um, that was – that's about as good as it gets for me. I never had the, I never even imagined I would have that opportunity. It's our Olympics. Well, yeah, but but you know, second of all, I had so much fun. Man, at least for me, and I'm not saying I'm altruistic in everything that I do, but at least for me, man, I wanted to be a part of providing that same opportunity for other people um, because it was the trip of a lifetime for me, man. And if some of my buddies get to experience that, or new shooters, or whatever, like that was that was for me a big passion, and so. Um, we came back. We had elections. Um, I got elected the new president, and then um, Coulter Marriott and Rusty Ulmer were elected okay. the two vice presidents. And, of course, since then, we've gone on to <laughs> – Rusty's a great dude. Uh, yeah, Rusty and Coulter, man, are both just – have been – it's been so cool working with them because I'm very bullheaded and, and, and a lot of things, and they are so good – to pull the reins back on me and give a lot of better perspectives than what I have. So I'm very grateful to be able to work with them. Um, but, you know, since then, you know, we've got the Rimfire Championship coming up this yep. year. Um, I, I just interviewed Kate Estes yesterday, yeah. and she's so, headed over to Italy like yeah. the 20th of August. So a month and a half away, we got a team that's going to be in Italy competing at the Rimfire World Championships. Um, it, it is neat to see this thing growing. And that being said, you have to understand that – if we would say that maybe the U.S. has really good shooters, compared to the rest of the world, maybe we have the best shooters, right? At mm -hmm. least right now. We also have to understand that our infrastructure and our match directors and our ROs are on the same level, right? Right. So it's one thing to, you know, to have really good shooters. That's great, and we all appreciate that. It's another thing also to – we don't appreciate all the time the, the MDs, the infrastructure, the ROs, and all these four locations that we've got. So yeah. when you talk about taking these matches to the rest of the world – those guys are doing a phenomenal job, but they're also doing it with a much less experience than what we've got. Right. So what we've seen with Italy is they're doing a phenomenal job getting prepared and ready for this. Um, they're they're. I think I think the Rimfire World Championship is going to be great. At the same time, I think there was a learning curve up front for them because not because okay. they're dumb, but because 
they don't have as much experience putting on matches as right. we do. I mean, there's you can you can shake a stick in any region, and there is going to be a PRS or a Rimfire match. Yeah, like almost every weekend. Well, I guess my point about all this is. What we've seen from France, some big things you've seen is you have a lot more international competitors coming to shoot U.S. matches. Yep. You have a lot more European competitors traveling 10 hours to shoot other countries' matches. Okay. The other thing that you're seeing is I think you're going to see the standard of matches rise. Um, and what I mean by that is France did a really good job of setting that bar. And I think the match level will continue to be raised each time. But it's also going to take time, right? Right. So if I if we were to interview Rich Emmons, you know, um, they started the PRS, I believe, in 2012, somewhere around in there. Yeah, somewhere in the early the early 2010s. And if you had to talk to Rich and get that opinion about how were things when it was first going, was it super smooth sailing? Was it super organized? Was was each match a similar difficulty? I think he would tell you real quickly, no. There was a learning curve getting all the matches brought up to a certain level and that infrastructure and stuff like that. So that's similar to what we're seeing with the rest of the world is they're doing a great job. But if we, and, and we do, we want to see those guys as good or better than us. We also want to see their matches as good or better than us. Right. And that does take time. That's, that's, that's right. a matter of shooting matches, learning, and listening, and talking to other people. Italy's doing a phenomenal job getting ready right now, and I think it's going to be a good match. But that somewhat leads us into, you know, uh, the 2024 Centerfire World Championships. Right. Which, like, as of, like, last week got changed from South Africa yep. to the United States. And yep. that's going to be in um, just outside of Palisade, Colorado, yep. in uh, the Cameo Shooting Complex. Yep. So that was a – man, I, I'll be super honest with you. So I get a chance um, – three of the guys that work with me are from South Africa. Okay. Um, and so uh, on the farm and everything. And, man, I was super excited about going to South Africa, yeah, as I was, was most I was, of the team. I was stoked. Uh, most of the guys that were wanting to try to make the team were make excited the team. about going yeah, to South Africa. Absolutely. Um, but you have to give the South Africans a lot of credit, man. They have a very, um, very proud and storied history, really, if you go back and look. Um, there's some pretty cool stuff that came out of that country as far as some pretty hard dudes. Um, a lot of the books that I've read over the years about the Boer Wars and things mm -hmm. like that. Man, there's – I've got a lot of respect for those guys, and especially we got a chance to eat lunch with them in France. And, man, it was just – we just had a blast. You know, just – just they're just like us, really, just hard old country boys is what they appear to be, you know. Yep. And so for them, I, I admire very much – it took them – they have as much pride in their country or more than we do in ours. So for them to realize, hey, come to find out, the world championship next year was going to be about two weeks in front of their national election. There's a very high probability for unrest um, yep. after those elections. And then not only that, and I don't say this to kind of, you know, badmouth them, but their electrical grid is is not in good shape and it is continually it's stressed. going down a little bit and so with all those things they felt like the best decision was to was to withdraw as a host nation so when we were in france there were only two countries that were voted on um it was the u.s and it was south africa south africa got about two-thirds of the vote the u.s got about a third and so you know hey if south africa withdraws the only other country that even got voted on was the u.s we we're right. the second choice um because that, that was part of my question was how did how did it default to the U.S.? But that makes sense. Like, if those yeah. were the two countries that have voted on and one can't do it, then it makes sense to go with the other. Yeah. And and, and really, and again, I, I want to be – I'm probably over, overly cautious with my words sometimes. Um, 
of course we have pride in our country. We can joke about back-to-back World War champs and all these other things, and, and they're true. <laughs> but I mean, they're factual statements. <laughs> but at the same time, I want to be very careful and respectful of other people's countries, cultures, heritage, and pride in their country. Oh, because, yeah, 100%. Um, they're not inferior to us. So all that being said, I think there's a certain argument that could be made for the beginning years of the IPRF for the U.S. to always be a default if there is a zero Russians a, invading somebody yeah. or if you've got just, you know, political and economic problems, you know, in a certain country that they have to withdraw. For, for example, if, like, Taiwan was, mm-hmm. like, a country uh, that got 100%. voted on, like – there's a lot of tension between Taiwan and China right now. It would make sense that, like, hey, if yeah. there's increased tensions, that it gets moved for the – not just because, oh, we don't want to go there because there's tension. Like, the safety of our yeah. competitors is, like, should be the number one priority. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds like that's what kind of happened in South Africa. Yeah. And that, like I said, I admire them very much. That was a hard call. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you they wanted to have it there. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think it makes sense um, for the first beginning years for the U.S. to be a default because the fact is, man, and it's something we take so for granted, but we can just go out and shoot this afternoon. Like, I didn't have to get a permit. I didn't have to ask anybody's permission. Yep. I didn't have to transport my gun a certain way. We just came over here and shot, you know, and yep. we had a blast. And so I, drove a, I drove 11 hours across multiple states. Exactly. And not, a, not an issue. Yeah. So – even though we weren't the default, we were actually voted on. I think the fact is we can move pretty quickly with the number of match directors, ROs, and locations we have in the U.S. Yep. that I hope we are always a a backup for yeah. other countries if needed. And to be super honest with you, I want to travel the rest of my life. I hope we're never needed. But um, that being yeah. said, there's a lot of good things that's going to come out of this match, um, or at least I think so. And that is, I think – other countries are going to get a chance not only to see how we do a course of fire. Um, so me, Coulter, and Rusty, it was pretty unanimous early on that we felt like Michael Beamer was one of the best match directors in the U.S. specifically for a field-style course of fire. Yep. Um, you know, Beamer is going to RO or excuse me, MD uh, four different matches this year, including the finale. Uh, I've known Beamer for a long time. I think his courses of fire are as fair and as equal as they get. And so, and to me, that's something that's almost my number one priority in a match is if draw matters, I don't like that. I right. like for it to be kind of ambiguous to where it doesn't matter where you start, everything's an equal difficulty. And I think Beamer does that as good or better than anybody else in the U.S. And so I think it's going to be cool for the other countries to be able to come over and see not only how an MD runs a match, and I think Beamer's right. going to really set that standard, but then also I think we're going to have – the best ROs in the world, volunteer and show up. I've had so many people, even at this match, like, hey, man, like shooters from Texas, like, hey, man, do you think you'll need me to RO? I was like, dude, I'd love to have you. You're a top shooter. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's really cool to have your buddies, you know, volunteer like that and things. And then also, you know, I think Cameo itself is going to be a location to definitely be remembered. Yeah. Um, being in, you know, we're going to be 10 minutes from Grand Junction with all of the yep. hotels, amenities, and food. Um, much less the firing line and the facility itself, although I have not been there. Uh, I've talked to at least a dozen different top U.S. shooters to get their opinion on the place and feel like we really nailed a very good place to be for that match. So it was – so South Africa was going to be putting on a field-style match. That's correct, yeah. So we wanted – so the IPRF U.S. wanted to pick another location that would be also yeah. a – 
a field style match location. And it makes sense because if you look at how the PRS, you know, a lot of times they follow a very similar format of a square range positional match finale. Yep. And then it goes field style, and then it goes back. So I think that's a good model. And the IPRF, whenever they asked us if we would be willing to jump in, you know, like, hey, we want a field style match. Great. We got plenty of great locations. Plenty of top, um, top spots. And so I feel like we can do that as good as anybody. That being said, we can put on a square positional match as good as anybody as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was excited about and like that. If it, if it does come to a square range, like, I couldn't think of a better place than, than K&M. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean – Really, K and M, you know, even and I jokingly say this: the artist formerly known as Core, because yeah. I love those guys and been. Down, I've shot a lot of <laughs> matches down there. You're you're local to them, yep. uh, but those type ranges, absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, we could do that in a heartbeat. I mean, because they've got both; they've got square range and they've got kind of field yeah. now that they opened up that other side. That's right. So, like, yeah, you got one um, and one and one and one and the other. But I think what you'll notice is if you if you and you can't read too much context into every decision, but if you look at this, it shows it shows forethought, and I hate to use the word vision. That's kind of a little bit pompous, I think, for, for this. But the IPRF, for them to already realize, hey, France was a square positional match. It was a yep. great match. But it shows that they're in tune with the trends in shooting to make sure that we're kind of getting both flavors because to be super honest with you they are very different flavors yeah um, they are still prs matches but i mean there's a big difference between clay's match and k&m's match there's a very big difference yeah um and that's not a bad thing it's just two different matches um so i think it shows a lot of intelligence on their part to already be addressing that to make sure we're not catering to just one style of shooting or one country right. style of shooting right um, one of the things you saw out of France, um, and I will, I will not get his name right, but I rem if I remember right, his name was Dirk Sauber, I think, finished sixth in open uh, in France. He's from Namibia, which is just north of north northwest of South Africa. I hope so. If not, please forgive me. <laughs> um, man, they've got a lot of amazing countryside out there and a lot of field style matches, but that guy performed really well at a positional style match. So. Anyway, th there's a lot of – if you really kind of pay attention to stuff, you realize that there's a pretty sharp group of guys behind this thing that are already in tune to w with the way things we're doing here in the U.S. Not that that's right or wrong, but, but it's, it's just intelligent yeah. to address both styles of shooting and both styles of matches. Yeah. So the different divisions are, like, when we get down to it, like – there's only so many people that are going to be able to make the U.S. team. That's right. So, so it's like 24 or something like that? It'd be 30. Okay, so, so got 30. Six and open, and then every other division is four. So you've got ladies open, senior open, junior open. You've got mill LEO. You've got factory. Factory would be similar. Similar to production. similar to our production. And then, um, and then you've got limited, which is going to be 308 only, which is just basically we call it TAC class in the U.S. Okay. Um, so up to 30, 30 people for a full team each okay. country. Okay, so what is the U.S.'s process for selecting those individuals? So we published it. It, it would be I, – I won't go into every nuance of it because Open itself – because Open is the most competitive category. Right. I mean, you've got – that's where – I mean, it's just, it's just tight, right? The air is thin at the top of Open. Yep. Um, but for every other division, we'll just go through that. So I, I've, we've asked our shooters, like, if you want to apply for the team, I need you to submit your top six matches from 2022, 2023, and that's six total. 
Um, I need at least three of them to be from 2023. And one of them from 2023 needs to be an AG Cup qualifier, qualifier match. match. You don't have to be an AG Cup member. You just need to shoot an AG Cup match. So can I, as somebody that's actually trying to do this, can I do all six matches from 2023? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, in the future as we move forward, when we get these selection processes published two years in advance, more than likely it's going to be your top three from each year. Okay. Um, feel like that's a better way of going about it. The reason we did it this way this year is because our selection process was published at the end of 22. And so <clears> – <throat> There was a certain sense to where I didn't want to punish somebody right. for not knowing what the selection process that they had that was already in the past, right? Right. But moving forward, we are pretty confident that we'll be taking your top three, maybe top four, but top three from each year okay. um, is how that will work. And then also you're going to submit your top finale from either 2022 or 2023. Right. Uh, either one is fine. Because, I mean, this is the only year that I've actually shot more than one two-day match in a year. Yeah, yeah. So, like, all of my stuff is coming from this year. Yeah. Well, it's the same way for me, so I swapped over to 308 to try to make the team. Again, I think I'm a decent shooter, but I'm not a top six guy. Um, so I felt like the best way for me to make it was to try to switch over to limited right. or tactical division and try to make it that way. Um, and we've seen similar things to where you've got other top shooters that are switching over to production Absolutely. or other things um, to I try mean, to make the team, which, to be honest with you, it, it was never our inherent purpose to bolster those divisions in the PRS. I don't think that's a – good idea or a bad idea it's not our purpose right but it has definitely increased the depth of field in those divisions which right. is a good thing for the guys that were already competing because now they get to measure themselves against top shooters right, right. so that's been cool to see so like so i'm a production shooter because mm -hmm. like i started with two two three because i didn't know if i wanted to stay in this i didn't know a whole heck of a lot about reloading or anything like that so i got a two two three production gun and then shot that for a year, and then got a 6BR, mm -hmm. and then did pretty well. But I hadn't competed on the national stage, and I'm doing that this year, and now I'm seeing a bunch of – like, I'm not rated. I'm, I'm yeah. unclassed. Yeah. You got a bunch of pros stepping yeah. <laughs> stepping into production. Yeah. And then you – since the announcement of going from South Africa to a United States match – Guys are like, oh, I can make the team now, or I can afford. Yeah, yeah. I can afford going to South Africa was going to cost like seven, eight thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, I I figured six, give or take five. You know, yeah. on the cheap end. Yeah, on the cheap end. Like, if you're gonna, that's if you're not gonna do anything. Yeah. Like afterwards, like go on a safari hunt yeah. or do whatever. Like you're talking like seven, eight thousand dollars. Right. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Like. This isn't our this this isn't how we make our money. We make no, our no money an, another way. This is right? how we lose our money. This actually. is yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So like now it's United States. It you know we went from seven thousand to probably fifteen hundred to two. Yeah, yeah. On the high end. Yeah, I, and like, I mean, it, so it's so it's much more economically viable for these guys now. And I've seen some guys drop out as far as they've decided not to chase it because it's in the U.S. Um, but I've seen more guys probably pick up because it was in the U.S. Really? You've seen people drop out because it's not in the U.S.? Yeah, I don't want to say who it was. I know a couple of shooters that have just like, man, it's not as big a deal to me if I can't travel. You know, look, we're all like uber competitive. Yes, of course, we're going to defend our soul as yeah. far as this match. But I would much rather go to somebody else's house. Yeah. 
and, and win than I had just stay in my own house and feel like I probably had a home field advantage to begin with. You know? Yeah. So there, there's some of that. But I, I think if I've seen two guys kind of maybe lose interest, I've seen five guys pick up interest, yeah. you know. So to my knowledge, now I don't, I don't have access to your inbox or anything like that, but to my knowledge, I've talked to a bunch of the military dudes. I was the only one that was, like, seriously contemplating going to South Africa because I watched last year that we did really, really well in all divisions. Yeah. We didn't field a full seniors team. Yeah. We had two out of three required <coughs> for a team. <coughs> Bill Allison. <coughs> Go ahead. Exactly. And <laughs> uh, their combined score is two shooters still beat the score yeah. of – a full up, a full up team. I actually, I, I'm gonna say this because I always want to be careful. I think they were 11, or it was either 20, it was either 11 or 21 shots short of beating the top senior team between Rusty and Paul. And that's not to degrade anybody else, right. but I want to make sure I'm accurate because I actually don't think I. It, there's a long story with that, but anyway, I think they were a few shots short. Okay. Just to be super factual. Okay. I think so. Okay. I definitely could have my facts wrong. Um. But we didn't have a single military shooter go. So, like, and we have some phenomenal oh, yeah, yeah. military shooters. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, Ben Gossett cleaned the AG Cup yeah, day yeah. three. Kel, Kel Harmon's. Kel Harmon is literally. Scott, Scott Peterson, Tyler Payne. Literally um, crushing people right yeah. now. Yeah, I and mean, Tyler so. hasn't really competed in the PRS that I've seen in a while, but like I wouldn't bet against him. I I wouldn't bet against him in, so. in, in anyway. So yeah. like I've been I threw my name in the in the ring. I was like, okay, I'm going for this one because the 2024 is going to be my last shot to compete as a like go to Worlds as a military yeah. guy. Yeah. So like that's on that's on the docket. Yeah. Um. Well, and I tell you something that would light a fire in you, and I'm saying this because. I've gotten to be good friends with quite a few guys from, and it's annoying. Is it England? Is it Great Britain? Is it the UK? I don't know what it's called anymore. <laughs> the guys from Great Britain is what I call it. But anyway, bunch of good dudes, man. We had so much fun with those guys. And they they literally like, I wish those dudes would just move here or whatever because we could just hang out every weekend. They're just yeah. like us and a blast to be around. And, and really some good shooters as well. But one of them may have got overheard saying that like, Man, we're so much better than every other country in our, I believe, the Mil Milio and the factory division. And, <laughs> and, and at that match, they they were. Right. And so I'm not taking anything away from them. And if they hear this, they also know me well enough to know that I'm giving them a little bit of, you know, I'm bumping my gums at them. Um, but, you know, hey, that lights a fire underneath mm -hmm. us, right? Because we're just as competitive as anybody. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, so I, I wish those dudes well, and I hope they continue to shoot well, man. Like, they had a fundraiser for their team going to Italy, I donated to that. Man, they're good dudes. Right. Um, at the same time, they also know, man, I, we're going to be pushing against them as hard as we can. Oh, know? absolutely. And they respect that, just like I know they're coming at us, you know. Um, that it's just, I, can't get, I can't explain enough how much fun it was meeting just great dudes at this match. Right. And a few ladies as well. Um, you know, but, man, it was, like I said, the dudes from Great Britain, South Africa, um, I'm sure I'll leave somebody out, but those those guys specifically, man, we had so much fun with. Because, like, I, if I remember correctly, like Sweden did really, Sweden, really. Yes, I know a bunch of dudes really good yeah. on the military side in Sweden. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, their guy, um, um, Rimbry, uh, is it Lewis? 
I think it's Lewis. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Rembry. Um, yes, he, he shot really good. Um, first person I ever saw accept an award with a set of pit vipers. I realize now <laughs> that that's a trend, and it was super cool. So, Rembry, shout out to you. Um, but to be honest with you, man, there's a couple of countries, and Sweden is one of them, that is going to be either on our heels or like nipping at our back or past us if we're not careful in the next two to four years. Right. Uh, which, again, is another cool thing, man, because, look, I don't want to go shoot against the school for the blind. Right. I, I want to shoot against dudes that are even better than me if at this, their hometown, yeah. and I want to try to beat them. You know? If this so, is our Olympics, we don't no, want to be showing up against. No. no. And, and, and those guys, there are some very good shooters in these other countries. Like, maybe they didn't get noticed as much in France because whatever reason, but I'm telling you there's some solid shooters in these countries. Right. And – it ain't going to be anything we can take for granted for very much longer. Not right. even close. Um, which is, again, man, it's so cool because, and I hate to just babble about this, but I want those guys to get a chance to enjoy the sport that's meant so much to me, not just from the sport and competition, but like my son shooting with me this weekend. Yeah, I saw um, you guys practicing on Friday, and I was just like, man, that is yeah. and, and, you know, such a wholesome moment. You know, look around here just underneath the pavilion and the friends you've got, and you yep. wouldn't have these dudes. You wouldn't know these dudes if it wasn't for the yep. sport. So, man, I, I hope that this sport grows in other countries so that people get to have the same opportunities that I've had. That's yep. a big deal to me. 100%. So, it's going to be in Cameo this year. Mm-hmm. When, or next year, this this evolution. Yep. So, 2024. When exactly is it? So, we set up the dates to be September 11th through the 17th. Okay. Um, it may be the 12th through the 17th, just depending on if we need an extra day for sign-in and, and dope check and stuff. But just say the 11th through the 17th. At of Cameo. September. Yeah, yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to write that down because I am scheduled to be in Papua New Guinea on a DPA mission, um, and I want to make sure that I am here for this. Yeah. So I'm, if I need to, like, reschedule some stuff. I want to make sure, and I'm putting it in my phone. That's why have your I'm people talk to my people, and we'll get it rescheduled. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I'm originally from Arizona. My dad, like, grew up partially in like Breckenridge. My mom's from Craig. My grandpa, like, was um, lived in Palisade for a long time. Yeah. Like, so I'm familiar with the area and just the bluffs and the, the cliffs and everything. I've never been to Cameo. Yeah. But like. It sounds amazing. Well, you know, Rusty, Rusty shot there a lot, one of our vice presidents, and he was the one that, you know, kind of pushed me that way to begin with because, man, I was, I was pro Box Canyon. I think Box Canyon, where the finale is going to be this year, is yeah, the best Kansas. field style range there is because we can almost shoot 360 degrees over the course of two days. The big issue with, with Box Canyon, man, it was, it was in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, you know, and yep. we, we felt like that – most people, most people coming to compete at this thing would rather have a 95% great match as compared to Box Canyon. That's just opinion, right? I think Box Canyon is the perfect match. Right. Uh, but 95% good match, but then also have a great experience, and that's something that Grand Junction offers. Because you got keep people coming in from all uh, yeah. over the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, if they're just in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, they're going to yeah. be like – if this is their first trip to America, like... That was our opinion. You know, we felt like it would be better to put on a good experience versus the most awesome field-style match they've ever seen because maybe they appreciate it, maybe they don't, but they do appreciate a great experience, you know? Right. And I think we're going to be able to deliver both of those with Cameo. Awesome. That's what we're hoping, anyway. Right. So, 
Cameo just had a match like a month or so ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Two-day PRS? Yeah. It should have been in either – I can't remember if it's April or May, somewhere around in there. So they've had one recently, and I I only know this because I listen to a, the Miles and Matches podcast. Um, and they talked about having, like, the buggies to, like, mm-hmm. ship everybody around. Are they, Is that, like – is that kind of like in the planning as well that like we're going to need yep. buggies to get around from so from one of stage our, to stage? One of our biggest biggest concerns, and it's also going to be our number one priority with Cameo, is match flow, um, because you know we're preparing for up to maybe four hundred plus shooters, um, and so if that's the case, then um, <laughs> I got to be careful. So us U.S. shooters, we got done today. We started shooting at seven forty-five ish, and we were done by one o'clock. With 10 stages? Yeah. Uh, the rest of the world is probably not used to that. So our definition of good match flow is very different from most others. Okay. I was talking to my buddy Joe Pask from Great Britain, UK, whatever y'all are called. Um, and uh, he was like, Greg, he said, y'all are the only ones that are worried about getting done early. He said, we're used to slogging it out all day. And I was like, good point. So our right. goal is to be able to be done, you know, 10 stages each day, uh, as far as each shooter, 10 stages uh, within 10 hours, you know, or less, right? So, yes, buggies will still be a part of that. Um, that being said, you know, me and Beamer and Ken Wheeler, Ken has volunteered to co-MD this match. Okay. Um, and, and Ken, just make this clear, not only is Ken a phenomenal person, but part of the reason Ken is volunteering as Ken, as my buddy, to come help me out because that's who he is. It's right. not so much that he is volunteering the PRS, although obviously you can't separate that. Yeah, you can't separate um, that body. But Ken is coming as my buddy more than anything and is a great md oh yeah <laughs> but like, anyway we've got a trip planned september to where all three of us are going to go out there start kind of scoping out okay can we what can we do with stages here what does match flow look like and all these other things and so i think if you give beamer and ken wheeler you know a full year to plan out a match that we need to flow good be able to handle spectators but then also needs to be a really good course of fire man it's hard for me to believe that you can't that Beamer and Ken Wheeler can't knock that out in 12 months and it to be something to be pretty epic. That's, yeah. that's my hope. That's, that's pretty solid. So with, with this, what, like, we all know that like America, we have the second amendment. We've got way more firearms yeah. rights and freedoms than I, I'm just going to say any other country in the world. Yeah. Like, what are we what are we I guess from the stories that I've heard like a bunch of the dudes sold off most of the uh, or a lot of their yeah. equipment while they were there like because like shipping and import yeah. and all this other crazy stuff like what kind of rigs are going to be being brought over from these other countries like so you know one good thing at least after talking to again my buddy joe pask in the uk and then also doing a little bit of research on my own from what i understand for most countries that would be traveling here um it's simply an atf form um it's i can't remember the number on it but it's an atf form takes anywhere from one week up to probably you know two months to get approval for it but that's not a big deal um and then they can travel over here with their competition rig and everything of course Again, being in the U.S., if you got 10-round mags or 12-round mags, not a big deal. 
Um, airline limits on ammo weight is probably the biggest deal. Right. Um, so your 308 shooters, we're going to have to provide ammo for sale at the match. Right. Um, and so I'm hoping to be able to get maybe Hornady and Federal to come and just provide ammo at, at cost, you know, whatever they were willing yeah. to do so that guys can shoot, you know, that ammo and not, not be restricted because I think you can only travel with like, like 150 rounds of 308, somewhere in there. Yeah, it, it's, like, gonna be, it's like 11 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So as far as all those restrictions go, that's going to be pretty straightforward and easy. Um, you know, as far as, um, you know, they, they should be able to bring most of their stuff. I don't, I don't see any big issue with that, or at least I'm hoping for it. Um, one other thing that we're going to try to prioritize, and again, we're 15 months out, so I'm not harassing people just yet. But one thing that I think would be really cool is if, if U.S. companies are willing to not only be there on site, have tents, just have representatives or whatever, and be able to meet some of these international guys. Um, but the other thing that I think would be super cool is if they are willing to sell stuff at the match. You know, again, not ITAR regulated or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, we don't yeah, want to yeah. get in trouble. Once we just, start talking ITAR, it's a whole exactly, other story. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, not ITAR. Um, but, man, if those companies would be willing to just have stuff on, on site, uh, parts and stuff like that, bags, whatever it is, um, maybe it's boxes of ammo to try or brass, who knows. But, like, whatever is legal for them to be able to sell to international guys, I mean, I think that would be a huge help to them to be able to kind of come over here. Maybe they can just try some things to carry back with them. You know, you got ammo, you got weight restrictions. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping – Well, if they shoot all their 11 pounds of ammo, then they can bring yeah. one game changer back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping that, that – and I think companies will be willing to come out. And like I said, maybe – you know, maybe these guys can just pick up a few parts that they need. Yep. I don't know. Maybe it's triggers, trigger hangers, who knows, you know. But that will be something I think would be really cool and a good service to those guys is to be able to come over here and grab a few things that are not illegal and right. be able to carry back with them and maybe save them a dollar or two, you know, hopefully. Yeah, so. I mean, because, like, dollar conversion is a factor. Like, yeah. shipping is a factor. Oh, yeah. Like, everything, is, there's – I mean, we do have it really, really good here. Yeah, no, we do. We don't, you know – we, we don't get it. We're so blessed. And, and it's, you know, that's a normal human thing, right? We, we take for granted the people that love us the most. We take for granted the freedoms that we have. It's, it's a normal human thing. But, man, when those guys are over there just wanting to get our firing pin assemblies or spare bolts, yep. um, and that was all legal, um, hopefully, um, <laughs> we don't get that. Like, it's crazy to us. But yeah. for them, that was a big deal. And I'm not saying I don't want to demean them. Like they were just walking around trying to pick up our spare shells. That's not the case. No. Like, hey, look, these guys are just like us. If if I, if I can sell you this or something and give this to you and it helps you out, here you go, buddy. Yeah. So exactly. It, there was a camaraderie there. Yeah. 100%. I feel like I'm not saying that somebody wasn't trying to make a dollar here and there, but most of the guys were just like trying yeah. to help people out. You know? So, um, you talked about it being like 30, 30 people per team. How many people have hit you up? actually interested in competing f for Team USA for 2024. Oh, wow. Man, it would be hard to say because – so when we went to France, we had 21 or 23 applications total. Our Rimfire team, we had 49 applications total, mm -hmm. which I think is phenomenal. Like, that's yeah. a huge – do I expect to see 100 for the U.S.? Not necessarily. Um, that being said, I – I expect to see, if we're taking a 30-man team, I expect to see 50 to 60 applications, maybe. Yeah. Um, which I think is great because, I mean, it's tough because there's six slots for open. There's yep. four for Mill Lily. Whatever, you go down the line, you know, there's there's limited slots. 
but it is cool to see people want to do this, right? Right. Like I know there's two seniors here this weekend that are working dang hard and probably going to have a good shot at making the senior team, man, and they're dang good shooters. They're whooping my rear right now. Um, so that is cool, and I think we'll see 50 to 60 applications. I mean, I hope it's more than that, but I think somewhere in there. Okay, so – I guess uh, another question is what are the like what are you looking at as far as requirements? So like obviously we're trying to put a team together of the best shooters in the United States mm-hmm. to go represent the United States. Yeah. So like is are it there the, any minimums? Is there the top is there you know what defines the top six? Is it the top six that submit applications? Yes, yeah. Like, so that's how it'll be. Um, so it's going to be based on score. So you know, again, if you submit your top six matches, we're taking those numbers, we're adding up numbers, and we're calling balls and strikes. There's no, I think this guy's a little bit better or anything like that. And so it's just straight math, adding up scores. Wherever your number lands you, it's where you go. But, yes, it will be based on who actually applies. Okay. Um, it's not – doesn't have anything – if somebody doesn't apply, if they're, you know, let's say that – not to stroke his ego any more than he needs it, but I hope he hears it. But, it's, let's say Bushman, mm-hmm. he's the best shooter in the world, and he doesn't apply, well, it doesn't have any factor any whatsoever on factor anybody else. Any venue you know? or anything else like yeah. that on yeah. what happens. Yeah. And really, I should have said my buddy Clay Blackett is the best shooter in the world, not Bushman. But anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, he's not he he doesn't have a giant like s- yeah. s- cylindrical trophy that says no he's doubt. the best. <laughs> no doubt, um, and a golden <laughs> bullet. Like I was really now, Clay does have a golden bullet. He will be quick to correct you on that. Clay, well, we're just giving you a hard time, by the way. Well, he doesn't have two in the same year. Well, yeah, 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 but yeah. Anyway. So like, I was. Let's re- not go down this road because Clay's just gonna get mad at me. But I anyway. was really, really hoping that Austin would pull off a, a three-peat at the AG Cup this year. I mean, he won the finale. It, that would have been. It would have been pretty cool. He won but tough also. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been super, super tough. But I mean, that was that was just amazing. Have you seen more? So like, I don't know if there's. <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't seen other military dudes talk, uh, talking about it. Have you, since it's been moved to the U.S., has anybody else been, like, popping in and saying, hey, what are the requirements? No, you know, um, I, so I shot last weekend at Punisher with Kale, and mm-hmm. we had a good talk about it. And, of course, Kale's a good buddy of mine. Um, I, I consider him a good friend. And I was like, dude, man, I, I really hope you, you know, at least give it a thought, you know. And he, he acted like that him and, him and Gossett were – we're going to be considering it. Um, I'd be. I have to be careful because I'll forget somebody or I'll misspeak for somebody else. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure. And, I mean, you're probably getting bombarded with messages and the conversations you have at matches because you shoot a lot. So, like, I'm not trying to hold you to anything. No, like, I just official. I, I have such a big mouth. I'm sure I'll screw something up. <laughs> um, I will say this: the Mill LE team was the one area to where I didn't know how many guys were aiming for it, and it was the one place to where, to be honest with you. Um, I uh, I felt like we might be short. Yeah. Um, because I, I wasn't aware of who was going for it. Right. right. So I do hope being in the U.S. that it will give more of a fire. And the other thing is, <laughs> the other thing is, um, sorry. Anyway, um, I'm hoping if the mill, I'm hoping maybe once we do field that team and guys go, dude, man, they worked out great. They did phenomenal. Now I want to be a part of that. So right. maybe once you see a Mill LE team, it will encourage more people to do that. Yeah. That sense. So, like, I mean, we have all a bunch a, a bunch of buddies that all shoot, and a lot of us are in the military. But, like, it's hard to compete against 
the AMU dudes. No, no, 100%. Well, I mean, like, even that. That's, that's, it, that's tough. <laughs> it, and I want to be very careful how I phrase this. But the guys who are full-time military, I don't know many of them that are making six figures. And I I'm don't, not. And I don't mean that rudely. No. I don't like, mean that rudely. So those guys are not only serving their country, working a full-time job, but they're not – and again, this is meant respectfully. It's acknowledging the fact that they don't always have the same amount of disposable income. Yeah. So those guys don't get as much of an opportunity to shoot or to go and do all these things. And for the third time, that's meant respectfully. Yeah. That's so, like, I'll tell you 100%, I'm still active duty. Like, this is going to be my last opportunity. I retire in 20, in two years. So 2025 is when I'm, I'm due to retire. Like, this is – like my last, my only shot to make to make worlds mm-hmm. on the military side. I didn't see any military guys last year. I want to yeah, see 100%. some some military guys. Like I'm in a specific job. I'm an EOD guy. I defuse bombs for a living. Like I get paid a little bit extra, but like, yeah, I'm not I'm not clearing 100k. I'm barely clearing 75. Well, like, we're not making it about money, but you get my point. But like, yeah, like. Com- Components, yeah. travel, hotels, 100%. like X, Y, Z, like time off. You time probably don't off. get four, four. You probably don't get four weeks paid vacation every year. I'm I get. Assuming. I get thirty days a year. Yeah. And like, but, if if I if my kid's sick, I have to take a leave day to go take him to the hospital. Yeah. Take him to the doctor or something like that. But I guess what I'm getting at is I respect so much more the guys who are active duty that are putting in the work because, yeah. in my opinion, they have it tougher than I do. Right. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Like, that makes what sense. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very respectful because I do mean it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, sitting across from you, I yeah. 100% understand what you're saying. Put your fist down, guy. <laughs> I'll put the beer bottle down. Yeah. Um, no. So what? Uh, um, we've been going for a little bit now. What other? What other things that we haven't covered? Do you want to get out there about the U.S. PRA, the IPRF, like moving from Africa, South Africa to to the United States, like? Man, I've jawed a lot. I think we've honestly covered a majority of it. I, I hope what people get in my voice, and this is something that I've, again, I have to be careful how I state this stuff because more than my ears will hear it, hopefully. Right. I expect so. And even international ears will hear it. Something that I want to impress upon U.S. shooters is, again, we cannot fathom how lucky we are to have the number of matches, the number of locations, the number of good competition. Like, we take for granted, like, none of us like getting beat. But to be super honest with you, I've learned way more when I got beat than when I won. Yeah. And so we take for granted all these things. We we are so very blessed to be able to do what we do in this sport. I personally see a lot of the work that I'm doing, and it's not that much. I'm not trying to sound like I'm slaving away every day. But – I personally think this this whole IPRF thing and the world's right now is our chance to give back a little bit. Right. And I don't mean that from a patronistic port of way or anything like that. I mean it from we are lucky. We get all these opportunities and all this competition, all these chances. This is our small opportunity to invest in the rest of the world because I don't want to get beat but I want them to be good enough to beat me any day of the week. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Like, so that's our chance, man. And, and so I really do have a passion about it. Some of it's probably a little bit overboard. Um, 
and I hope, again, I have to watch how I phrase things because I never want it to seem to come from a place of above somebody else. Right. But for me, I want to take the opportunities and the blessings that we've had and be able to use it to make other shooters better and to give them more opportunities, more competition, and all these things. And that's not the primary purpose of anybody other than Greg Bell. Right. Um, but that's something that, for me, is a pretty big deal and something important to me. Um, don't get me wrong. I want to see other U.S. shooters. You know, you mentioned uh, Kate Estes. You interviewed yep. her yesterday. You know, a top lady and a top junior shooter. I want her to have the same opportunity that I did to go enjoy that, right? And yep. I'm just using her as an example because she's here this weekend. Um, that's probably the biggest thing, man. Like, I, I think we've covered 50 things. And to be super honest with you, I just talk in circles. Um, but, yeah, that, that's the stuff that's important to me. I think we've covered a lot of it. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you making the time. We're all sitting around here hanging out, looking at scores, waiting to eat these delicious fajitas. So I definitely appreciate you coming on and uh, and giving me some insight because I know that I've messaged you two, three, four, five hundred times, it seems like, to, uh, to, to get a small question answered and um, be able to put this information out so people can hear it. It's super awesome. Where can people go to find – information oh see i asked him and he didn't have it ready i, I do uh, not i have to remember the website hold on just a second no worries uh, so it's, it's so it'll be uspra.com or uspra.wordpress.com and then also we have a facebook page that's just the actual it says united states precision rifle association on facebook okay that's where we're going to post almost all of our information and they should be almost mirrored so okay. you should be able to see all the information on both um, you know, I'm not a great social media guy, so we don't constantly post stuff just for the fun of it. Like everything there is meant to be information about selection, right. um, what we're doing, what we're looking at, and things like that, and trying to promote the teams. Okay. Um, so it's pretty, pretty slim down and simple, hopefully. Awesome. Sweet. Greatly appreciate it. All right. Looks like something's happening, so we're <laughs> going to cut this off. I really appreciate Thanks, you coming guy. on. Thanks, I appreciate you very much, man. Yes, sir.